0: you're given the opportunity to register a score on an empirical measurement of strength, right? I'm sitting in the physio, I'm like, oh, okay, this just got real. Give me that dynamometer. And she handed it to me and she's like, I can already tell you're taking this way too seriously. That's right, I was. I get to register a score on this thing. This is going to tell me how strong my grip is. Let's go. And so I sat on the very edge of my chair, one hand gripping firmly the arm of the other side of the chair, one, su- one hand taking hold of this dynamometer, and I'm staring it down. And with the force of a thousand suns, I begin to crush against this dynamometer. I hear a spring start to make a noise. i like, i got to be careful here. I'm going to break this thing. I'm going to break this thing. And she said, okay, that's enough. I said, okay, Whew. I'm thinking, that, that must have blown her mind. She's never seen a score registered this high before. And this is exactly word for word what she said. She said, that's pretty good for a teenage girl. <laughs> Straight up, that's what she said. And I'm like, "Um, rude. I know lots of very strong teenage girls. Are there any teenage girls in the building this morning? I know, you guys, you're strong. I'm like, that is offensive to teenage girls everywhere. They're very strong and so am I. <laughs> and she said, yeah, your grip, your grip strength, it's, it's really weak. And, and she said, if you want to continue doing the things you're kind of doing, if you want to, you know, keep enjoying going to the gym and keep enjoying playing basketball, things like that, you're going to have to strengthen your grip. Okay, so I needed to do some exercises to strengthen my grip. So at this point, can you turn to the person next to you and say, how's your grip? <laughs> how's your grip? Now, I've actually got a box, a box of dynamometers that the prep team are going to hand out and we can see why is it? No, we're not going to do that. How's your grip? Now, here's the thing. If I wanted to continue living my life the way I was living, it, I was going to have to improve the quality of the strength of my grip. Now, here's a central belief that I have. I have a central belief that God actually has intention for my life and the way that I live my life, and that God has intention for your life and the way that you live your life. And if I could describe it in some general, I guess in some general terms, I'd say that God wants us to live a life of wholeness. God wants us to live a life of fullness. God wants us to live a life where we know and understand his love, his grace, his blessings in our life. Would anyone agree with that? And God also wants me, wants us to live the kind of life where we share the blessings of God and make a difference in the world that we're living with. That we actually could bless others through what Christ has done in us. A life of wholeness, a life of influence, and a life that makes a difference for the benefit of other people. In general general terms, I think that's basically what God has for each one of our lives, and there'll be different expressions and different flavours. But ultimately, I believe that's what God wants for my life. But if we are going to walk in that kind of life as followers of Jesus, one of the things that we need to develop is a new capacity to take hold of Jesus, that there needs to be a spiritual grip within us that says, no matter what, Jesus, I'm taking hold of who you are. You know, a couple of decades ago, again, we're all getting old, right? Except the front row here, evidently. Very youthful, glowing, lucky. (laughs) But a couple of decades ago, a movie was released called The Dead Poets Society. Anyone remember that movie? Anyone my age, you probably did a, an English assignment on that and like what was going on and the themes. And you know, when you do English assignments and it's like that, Monique, you would love that. And, uh, and one, of the, one of the things that made this movie so memorable was a particular Latin phrase. Does anyone know the Latin phrase? Carpe diem. And does anyone know what that phrase means? seize the day you guys you are onto your dead poet society and your latin I, I, or is it just a, a bunch of latin experts here this morning you just know that because of your rich knowledge of the dead language i love it but but this was a phrase carpe diem seize the day and uh, the more literal translation of the word carpe in latin into english is to pluck because i gonna say pluck it's it's just a fun word to say right can we say it one more time Not everyone was enjoying it. Missed opportunity to say a really fun word in unison. But it's this idea to take hold, to grab the day. And the inference behind it is to make the most of every opportunity that you have. To live the day having the most fun you possibly can. To love the deepest you possibly can. To create the greatest experiences you possibly can. To bring your absolute best and experience the absolute best that life has for you. That's kind of the general sense. So outside of who God is, that's a very motivating phrase and way to live life. Yeah, I want to make the best of my opportunities. I want to live the best life that I can. And that's kind of the the carpe diem edge. Now, I want to submit to us this morning a different Latin phrase, which is carpe Christus. Carpe Christus, which means to seize the Messiah, or to seize Jesus, to take hold of Jesus, to let go of taking hold of the day and what it has for me, and to take hold of the day that the Lord has made. To say, God, what do you have for me today? Who are you growing me to become? That journey begins with a passion to take hold of who Christ is. Carpe Christus, seize the Messiah. Now I want to take us this morning to a passage of Scripture in Genesis 32, which takes us to a man named Jacob. And when we think about what it means to take hold of God, to take hold of the presence of God, to take hold of Christ, this is a really good point of reference. Now, Jacob was born the second of two twin brothers. Jacob was the the grandson of Abraham. There was Abraham, there was Isaac, then there's Jacob. And Jacob is a twin. And first of all, Esau comes into the world. And what was so unique about Jacob's birth is that as Esau is born, there's this little hand grabbing hold of his heel. And sure enough, it's Jacob. And so Jacob is named Jacob because he was born clutching onto Esau. His name literally means to clutch, to grip, to take hold. Fun character to think about when we're thinking about this idea this morning, right? So he's born taking hold of his brother. And Jacob, he grows up to be a man who if I'm being really honest, he's he's kind of conniving. <laughs> He kind of works out what he needs to take hold of to really move his life forward as best as he possibly can. He was famous, if you remember the story, for tricking his brother and father out of Esau's inheritance as the firstborn. He did a similar move to his father-in-law, making off with all of his livestock. He was a guy that worked out how to do carpe diem really, really well, to seize the day, to seize the opportunities that were in front of him, to make the very best of himself that he could. But it would not be without its comeuppance. And eventually, there was going to be a reunion between Jacob and Esau after they'd been estranged for many years. And Jacob's rightly terrified because he's wronged his brother deeply. And now there was going to be a reconciliation between them. And Jacob is so worried that he actually believes that Esau is going to take his life, take everything that he has, destroy his family. And that's what Jacob believes he deserves from the hands of his brother. So Jacob makes some arrangements to protect what he has in fear of his brother Esau. And it's in this moment, on this particular evening, that Jacob has one of the most profound interactions with the presence of God in all of Scripture, and I absolutely love it. And we're going to go there together. Does that sound good? All right, let's get into our Bibles. Anyone got a Bible here this morning? You can bring it out. If not, you can join us on the screens. And here's how this particular evening begins. Jacob, knowing Esau is coming to meet him the very next day, he's terrified about what that's going to mean. So he protects himself and what he has, and here's how he does that. That night, Jacob, someone say, Jacob, Jacob, you might have had a coffee this morning made by Jacob. Not the same Jacob, but he makes a good long Mac. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. Now, after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. Someone say all. He sent over everything that he had. Everything that had value in his life was being sent to the other side of the stream. So Jacob was left alone. Now this story, as I introduced, is an incredible picture of an individual experiencing the presence of God in a profound way. And here's how it begins. Jacob sends everything that he has, everything that previously held value in his life, is sent to the other side of the stream. And now he is alone. And now he's alone God can begin to do something. Yeah, I want to show you a picture real quickly. Uh, who, who here enjoys going to the supermarket, doing some grocery shopping? Well, you actually do good. I, I don't mind it. Like, it's one of those chores you need to... Who does that every week? Yeah, probably a whole bunch more of us. Light on the response this morning, friends. No one's been to the supermarket. Uh, and look, we're, we're going to dramatize the supermarket here. Can you guys see these items that Riley's beautifully putting, putting across the, the stage here? Oh, we got some milk. Now, when I go to the supermarket, I do something called freehand grocery shopping. Freehand grocery shopping. And that's a cool way of describing an individual that isn't prepared enough to bring a bag. Because you're you're just freehanding it. I've got no bag. Uh, I don't want to use a plastic bag, because I saw that YouTube clip where it really hurt a turtle, and now I'm never doing that again. So I freehand it when I go to the grocery store. And uh, I often go, and as we're walking through the aisles, we'll pick up a certain item. Here we go. We've got the the Fruity Burst, triple berry. Very good cereal. And actually a good place to start as well, because the cereal box can form a foundation for the other items that you stack upon it. Now, when I was rehearsing this idea, I had one more hand. And now at the supermarket, normally I won't have a microphone. Karali, can you help me stack this up? Now, at the supermarket, if you're brave, you can ask someone to do this as well. There you go, got some corn. That's nice. What else we got? Oh, the cracker section. Who likes some salada? That's too hard. You got to stack it well. That's the way. More crackers. Anyone's kids like crackers? We buy a lot of crackers. So, oh, oh, And look, this is common. When you're freehanding it, this is part of the journey. Okay, we got to th- think about this a little more. Gotta, yeah, okay, that's good. That's good. Oh, what's that? Is that a butter chicken? Yeah. Look out. I actually like putting corn in my butter chicken. It sounds controversial, but it's quite good. And uh, what have we got there? Some chickpeas. Oh, look. They're, they're something that we need to buy for a recipe, but we're not excited about. Okay. And, and we've got it. We've got it all here. And this is, this is exactly what I look like when I'm at the supermarket. So if you ever see me, you're like, hey, man, what's up? And I'll be a little bit distracted because I, I am free-handing it. Anyone else a fan of free-handing? There's, um... Anyone prepared when you go to the supermarket? Yeah, you take yeah good, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I'm just kind of spinning a lack of preparation in a cool way. I'm like, yeah, I'm freehanding it. This is awesome. Really, I wish I had a bag. Occasionally, you'll see me with a gym bag going through the supermarket, and that's, that's bad as well. But then uh, I've loaded up on all these things that I, that I want. I filled my hands with them. And then I remember what I actually wanted at the supermarket, what I really needed at the supermarket is the milk, and I've literally done this, hands completely full, go to the milk fridge, and you know how there's a glass door, now a glass door seems simple, very workable, but when you're free handing it, and your hands are full, the glass door is a major, major obstacle, <sighs> I've literally done that, that sigh in front of the milk, that's, that's really what I needed, I've beautifully positioned all these items, and I somehow think that if I just get close to this milk for a little while, it's going to do what it needs to do, come on milk, milk my cereal, milk my coffee, be, be all the things you need to be, just, I just can't open this door to get you, now of course that doesn't work, and if I want to get that milk, I've actually got to put something down first, I'm going to put this down, it's going to drop everywhere, it's going to be embarrassing, unless I have a friend at the supermarket, normally I don't go with Riley, but perhaps we could make that a thing, could you come and grab this for me? That, that if I want to pick this up, you can, you can ask nicely. Maybe there's a nice lady on your aisle. And you say, hey, can you hold my chickpeas for a minute? She's like, hold your own chickpeas. Bring a bag. Far out. <laughs> and so you have to put the things down that you've picked up and you've held. Then you can freely open the door and take hold of the milk and bring it with you. And the milk can do everything that it needs to do. Now, here's what I see in the life of Jacob in this portion of the story that he's been able to let go of all of the things that he's worked so hard to take hold of throughout his life. All the possessions, all the relationships that were described, all of them came to fruition through Jacob's desire to hold on to the things that mattered to him. Now, it wasn't really Jacob's intention. The reason he sent everything to the other side of the stream, all his family, all his stuff, was to protect it from Esau. But the net result was the same finally Jacob's hands are empty and he can take hold of what God has for him. You know, I love this picture about sometimes we can think and operate this way in our faith, in our understanding of who Jesus is, is that if I get close to him for a period of time, it's going to do everything that it needs to do in my life and then I can go and do everything else that I want to do, take hold of everything else that I want to take hold. But Carpe Christus is about a letting go so that we can fully take hold of who Jesus is with every ounce of our strength. And it's only when we take Jesus with us that he can start to do something through us. Being near him for a period of time just isn't going to do the trick. Maybe for some of you, that's, that's simply what church is. For a couple of hours on a Sunday morning, I can get my life close enough to Jesus so he can do something good in me. But no, if you want to live out of the fullness of what God has for you, you can't just visit the presence of Jesus. You need to take hold of the presence of Jesus. Here's some milk. That's a milk. Actually, that is going to make coffees later, so don't open that. There's a letting go. Now, we're going to go to the next portion, next portion of the text here. And I'll be honest, sometimes the Old Testament beautifully introduces scenes, beautifully introduces characters, and there's a very clear sense of exactly what's going on. Now, this isn't one of those passages. (laughs) So David, it's not David, Jacob now is alone. He sent everything to the other side, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. We don't know who this phantom wrestler is. We don't know what his grievance is. We don't know why he's wrestling Jacob, because wrestling until daybreak is kind of an unusual thing to just spring on us as readers of the Old Testament. What is going on here? You're, like, you're, you're worried about Esau, you send everyone to the other side, then bang, you're in an all-night wrestling match. Has anyone ever had a genuine wrestle before? Maybe, like a, maybe been into Brazilian jiu-jitsu or just wrestling with brothers or siblings or something like that. Wrestling is a full-on endeavour, right? You, like, you do it for like four minutes and you are completely fatigued if doing it right. Actually, Riley, could you come up here? We're just going to model this. For... <laughs> no, nah, it's a bad idea. We, we joked about this and I'm like, he'll, he'll injure me. if uh, I... You know, I would, but I've got the, the golfer's elbow and the tennis elbow. And if when I slap that full Nelson on you, it's just going to injure me. Uh, <laughs> so we won't do that. But, but he wrestles with someone till daybreak. Now, verse 25, when the man, this is our, our phantom wrestler at this point, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, speaking of Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled the man. Now, this is the first moment where we get a clue here that this isn't just some ordinary dude that Jacob's wrestling with. And what we're actually discovering is that this is an expression of God's presence, That God said that that he just, in this moment, you see just a glimpse of his divinity coming through. That it's not a full-blown sharpshooter or Boston Crab or figure four leg lock. My apologies to the 90% of people that don't know those wrestling terms, but they're all hip-focused, wrenching actions. But he just touches the hip, and it's wrenched. Then the man said, let me go for its daybreak. Jacob, let go of me. This has gone far enough. But then Jacob replied... I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, it's at this point that Jacob has the same realization that we do as readers, that this is actually an expression of God's presence. Can I I just share something real cool just for a moment? I promised myself I wouldn't do this, but now I can't help it. So there's, there's this idea within the Old Testament when God tangibly reveals his presence in a visible, powerful way. It's called a theophany. Can someone say theophany? theophany. So an example of this would be like Moses and the burning bush, where the presence of God is revealed in this miraculous, physical, crazy way. Or when the Israelites are being led out of Egypt and there's a, a pillar of fire or a pillar of smoke that leads them away from Egypt. There's these amazing, miraculous, physical expressions of God's presence. Now that's a theophany. Now there's this other idea in Scripture and throughout the Old Testament where we have something called a Christophany. Can anyone guess what that is? That's when Jesus shows up. That's where Jesus shows up. And there's this idea that in certain moments within the Old Testament, as God reveals himself in his humanity, that God, when he reveals himself in his humanity, that human being has a name and it's Jesus. And so in the Old Testament, we sometimes hear this description, the angel of the Lord, where God appears as if a man, limited as if a man. So God, in this form, he couldn't even overpower Jacob. And then he has to pull out of his bag of divine tricks to wrench his hip. And I just wonder, is this Jesus showing up outside the course of time and history to guide God's people to be the blessing to the world that he always intended them to be? Sidebar, that's just a a fill thought as we reflect on Scripture. But here's Jacob wrestling with a man That is God's presence. Here's Jacob taking hold of a man that is God's presence. Now, we already know that Jacob's name means to grip, to take hold, to clutch. And there's two interesting things about this portion of the scripture. Number one, Jacob takes hold and he does not let go, he's wrestling all night. That's crazy. And when it comes to taking hold of the presence of God and seizing Jesus in our lives, one of the things that we need to grow into is an understanding that this isn't a short-term deal. This isn't flexing on a dynamometer for two minutes in a physio. This is a lifelong pursuit to say, Jesus, I am living my life with you at the center of it. The taking hold of Christ isn't something that we do for a moment Taking hold of Christ becomes who we are and what we do. You know, that's a great way of describing what a disciple is. And that's what we see first in the life of Jacob, that there's a perseverance, there's a grit in his desire to hold on to the presence of God as captured in this moment. But it's more than just a willingness to hold on over a long period of time. There's a willingness and an ability to hold on through pain. That as Jacob wrestles with the presence of God, his hips wrenched, we don't know exactly what that means, probably dislocated, he's in a huge amount of pain and still he holds on. And this idea of to truly seize Christ in our life means growing to the capacity where we can hold on to Jesus even when we're walking through pain. And pain can look like lots of different things. It can be physical sickness or injury. It can be the, the pain of broken relationships, the pain of missed opportunities. It could be the pain of loss or grief. Pain can take so many shapes and forms within our lives and has touched all of us in different ways. But this encounter between Jacob and God reminds me that pain in my life isn't a trigger to let go of Jesus, but pain in my life is a trigger to take hold of Him with every ounce of my being, that He's present in the wrestle. He's present in the pain. So Jacob holds on for the long haul. He holds on with grit, and he's not shaken loose by pain or suffering, and he continues to hold on. As the verse continues, the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered, Remember, Jacob means to take hold, and in his context of his birth, it was taking hold of Esau. said it was Jacob. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. And it's in this moment that God's people receive their name for the very first time. Your name's not going to be Jacob anymore, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. The American Standard Version, in place of the word struggle, will use the word strived, that you have strived for God, that you strive strived for people and the things that people once, but now you strive for God. The word Israel means God strives. And now God's describing the picture that I am striving for you and you are striving for me. And that is the picture of life in the name of Jesus, that God first strived for us. And our response then is to strive for him. And now Jacob has a new name, Israel. And then Jacob replied to this wrestler that we now know is God's presence. He said, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, or the only man in history that can say, I wrestled him palm to palm, and yet my life was spared. Now, here's what's happening throughout the night here. Jacob begins this night with the intention. He notices there's something weird about this guy that I'm wrestling. I have no idea how this started. I'm not going to posture or hypothesize how this evening began for him. But he started wrestling, and he realizes there's something of the presence of God contained within this wrestler. And he says, I'm not letting go of you because I see something of God's presence in you, and I want you to bless me. So Jacob was still stuck in the ways of Jacob. I want to take hold of what you have to make my life better. But here was God's intention. He was wrestling Jacob into Israel. He was wrestling him away from what he was and into who he was called to be. And Jacob took hold of God through that whole process, through the time that it took, through the pain that it caused. And now he has a new name, to strive for God to take hold of God, to take hold of Christ, to seize the Messiah, to seize Jesus. Now, here's the key difference for us. Now, Jacob has this wrestle with God on the opposite side of the cross from us. And it's incredibly significant. So when we come to thinking about our wrestle with God, it's not this picture that we desperately hold to Him for just long enough until He blesses us. But because of the cross... Because of the new covenant now in who Jesus is, we don't desperately wait to receive a blessing, but when we take hold of Christ, we live each day in that blessedness. We take hold of the day that the Lord has made. We live in proximity to Jesus, taking hold of him with every ounce of our being. And the condition of a life lived holding on to Jesus is the exact condition of a blessed life. It's not something that we desperately wait for and strive for. It's something that we say, Jesus, I'm taking hold of you. I'm living my life with you at the center. You have just described and defined the condition of blessedness in your life. Jesus' presence in you. Can someone say amen? Amen. To take hold of who Christ is. Now, here's what's so significant. As God wrestles Jacob into Israel, And something so significant for us when we think of a letting go, freeing our hands to take hold of more of who Jesus is, that what you hold, that what I hold, shapes who I am. And this is how Jacob was able to transform into Israel, because he let go of the things that shaped and defined his life in a certain way. And he took hold of Jesus, which shaped and defined his life in a renewed, transformational way. So when we take hold of Christ, it actually transforms who we are. And again, that is an overflow of the blessed condition of holding on to our Saviour. In verse 31, this is how this whole thing finishes. And I'm going to invite the the team to, to come up here and join me. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel. It's almost like this new dawn in the life of Jacob. Not Jacob anymore, not selfish pursuits anymore. But now there's something new in his life, that he's Israel, that there's a new name. There's something new for his life, a new condition, a new quality. And then listen to this. And he was limping because of his hip. Now in this story, I think there's something powerful in the imagery and the symbolism here that Jacob's name is changed and his walk is changed after this encounter with Jesus, after this encounter of holding on to Christ. He's got a new name and he's got a new walk about him. In this case, it's a limp and it's not great. In our case, it's renewal of Jesus and it transforms lives for the glory of his name. So Jacob through the wrestle. And this is where it gets a little bit real. Through the letting go... Jacob is broken. Let's go of everything that he has. God messes up his hip. There's a brokening, a brokenness that happens. There's a breaking that happens. And after the breaking, there comes a renaming. God breaks him away from what he was. There was pain. It wasn't pleasant. But God broke him away from who he was. And God blesses him by giving him a new name name is Israel. You strive for God. And there's a new walk and that's the blessing that he has. He's broken, he's named and he's blessed. And when it comes to taking hold of more of who Jesus is, to, to live a life that reflects who he is, to live a life that makes a difference for the glory of God. That's why this church, True North, exists. That's why we gather here, Malaloo, on a Sunday morning because we want to see the glory of God revealed and transform lives, bring hope, joy, and peace to families, to marriages, to communities, to workplaces, so people could live out of the wholeness of who God is, the fullness of who God is. Now, if I'm going to grow to become the disciple that Jesus sees when he looks at me, if you're going to grow to become the disciple that Jesus sees when he looks at you, we've got to accept this first word. We've got to allow the presence of God to break something in us. And my suggestion this morning that, that for us, that breaking is going to be from a willingness to let go of some of the things that we've been holding on to so tightly. Those selfish pursuits. Maybe they're distractions. Maybe it's a desire for personal achievement. Maybe it's a desire for comfort. Whatever those things are that have defined your life, It's painful to let them go. And this is what Jacob does. as He's wrestling all night. Let's go. Receives a new name. Now, for all of us that have put our faith in Jesus, we've actually received a new name as well. We're Christians. Ultimately, that means that we have seized Jesus. And my simple encouragement this morning is to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of you. That name that you carry matters. You're someone that knows Jesus. Now seize Him with every ounce of who you are. Embrace that new name that you were given and walk in the blessedness of what it is to live your life holding on to Christ. Can we stand together this morning? I want to finish by, by praying for us. I also want to give an invitation this morning. We're going to sing that song, It Is Well one more time mel and the team are going to lead us into that through it all it's well in my soul because i've held on to christ i'm going to pray for us generally but i want to give you an invitation as well if you'd love someone to pray with you this morning man i'd love to pray for you this morning as god leads you into something new to take hold of more of christ is I want to invite you to come to the front. We'll have some elders, some pastors around that would love to come and pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. We're just going to create a few moments, a few minutes. If that's you, don't, don't wait. Just come. Because God does something powerful through prayer. God does something powerful when we gather together as a church. Carpe Christus, seize the Messiah. Let me pray. Jesus, I want to thank you that you first have taken hold of us. That your heart is for us. And God, I pray for every person responding to you even now, Lord, that Jesus, you would remind them of your presence. That You would show up in a real and tangible way in their life. And Lord, as we sing this song together, it is well, as we pray for one another, Lord. Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in this place this morning. Jesus, our heart's desire is to take hold of you more fully. We praise you God. If you would love someone to pray with pray for you, please come and we're going to sing this awesome song of worship together.